Welcome to Messy Closet, the spiritual journey of Generation X. I'm Roseanne Carlo, and here we explore the 70s, 80s, and 90s in New York City and the lessons my friends and I may or may not have learned. Welcome back to another episode. Once again, shout out to Podbean. If you are looking to start a podcast, this is a great platform. They distribute everywhere and you get amazing growth and a wonderful community of people to help you grow and succeed as a podcaster. And again, of course, I'd like to thank everyone who has subscribed, who follows on Instagram and who just listens every day as I put out my words to you. So thank you again all so much. And just to clarify, when I say in New York City, I mean that that's where my friends and I just spent all of our time, but we lived in the metropolitan area. So a lot of us who live like in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area have really easy access by the Metro North train station into Grand Central Station, which is 42nd Street and Vanderbilt Avenue. If you've never been there, it's a beautiful building. It's probably my favorite building in New York City because there's restaurants and shopping, but when you walk into the atrium with the big clock and look up, there is that beautiful sky blue ceiling painted with all of the constellations. And back in the 90s and the 80s, the 70s, all the way through, everyone would smoke cigarettes until they were banned in the 90s. Everyone would smoke cigarettes indoors, outdoors. So they banned smoking from indoors in restaurants, on trains, movie theaters, airplanes. Oh, where else could you smoke? They took it out of restaurants. There used to be smoking sections in restaurants. And once they removed smoking from Grand Central Station, they cleaned the ceiling. And I used to look up and just see a black ceiling. So they very carefully restored the ceiling to take off the tar and the nicotine from all the cigarettes. <laughs> and there is the blue ceiling with the constellations. It was like a myth until this. So at that, I'm realizing that we are more than halfway through January, the first month of 2023. And 1993 was 30 years ago. So I'm going to do a little bit of a dive into the year 1993 and not just events in New York City, but around the globe and how we really reacted and felt about them. So in 1993, I was in my junior year of high school at Blessed Sacrament St. Gabriel High School in New Rochelle, and we were just, I don't know, getting ready to apply to colleges or something. But it was a really big year, and I remember every morning we would start off with, like, News Channel 1. And if you guys know Lisa Ling... She was this, the news anchor from back in the 90s on our school news channel. So I always knew that she was going to be something amazing because she did these interviews and, and the news like a professional way back in the 90s before she ever did all of these like big, big interviews that she's done. It's amazing. So here are these major events in 1993. The first one being January 3rd, 1993, 
former U.S. President George H.W. Bush and former Russian President Boris Yeltsin signed the START II treaty. So this is the Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty, and the purpose was to ban the use of MIRVs, multiple independently targetable re-entry vehicles on ICBM's intercontinental ballistic missiles, which encouraged the first strike strategies. The U.S. Senate ratified the treaty in 1996 and Russia ratified it in 2000, but it never came into effect as Russia withdrew in 2002 from the ABM Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaty and the agreement was replaced by the SORT. Strategic Offense Reductions Treaty, which mandated both U.S. and Russia reduce their nuclear arsenals to between 1,700 and 2,000 warheads each. That is terrifying. That all began in 1993. But I do remember learning about this in high school and us thinking that this was a huge big deal, like it was going to save the world somehow. And it's still a lot of nuclear weapons, and that can't be good. So also in 1993, from February 28th to April 19th, the Waco compound in Waco, Texas was under siege. So I remember watching the whole thing play out on April 19th with the fire that broke out at the the compound. So on February 28th at 9.45, 76 ATF agents attempted to execute a search and arrest warrant for David Koresh and specific followers on weapons charges. So these four ATF agents were killed during the raid and another 16 were wounded and then five Branch Davidians were killed. So who were the Branch Davidians? The Branch Davidians were this cult, this group run by a man called David Koresh who believed that he was a holy man of God. So they tried to do like a ceasefire. They tried to evacuate the place. David Koresh was interviewed by CNN and the FBI instructs CNN not to conduct any further interviews with David Koresh but he's talking on the radio stations for 20 minutes. He's talking to KRDL radio in Dallas, and he's describing his beliefs, and he's talking about the seriously wounded Branch Davidians. And there's a man named Jeff Jamar. He was head of FBI's San Antonio field office, and he takes command soon after um, the uh, the resulting deaths of these federal agents, and he's placed in charge of the siege as the site commander. So the FBI hostage rescue team then was headed by Richard Rogers. The FBI cuts the Branch Davidians communication from the outside world and stops Koresh from giving any more phone interviews, any more local news interviews. And they're trying to negotiate for 51 days with a team of 25 FBI negotiators and they only managed to release the 19 children. So they facilitated the release of 19 children only and the age range was five months 
to 12 years old. So they did not let a lot of older kids out. And the children were interviewed by the FBI and the Texas Rangers. I mean, obviously, probably just the older ones. That had to be really difficult. And they were talking about like all this kind of abuse, physical and and other worse abuse. And this was the justification offered by the FBI to then President Bill Clinton and then Attorney General Janet Reno for launching tear gas attacks into the compound to force the Branch Davidians out. 98 people and 23 children still remained in the building and then the FBI cut off power and water, forcing the people to survive on rainwater and stocked military rations. This is so insane. Janet Reno had like not a soul. I don't know. So at this point, Janet Reno approved recommendations by the FBI to mount an assault after being told the conditions were deteriorating and children were being abused. I will never understand that. So they went to deploy these army vehicles and they rammed everything and they pumped tear gas into the buildings and they ripped a a door, like a gaping eight foot, 10 feet wide hole in a door. And they were just like really, you know, just coming at them so hard. So they did battering rams into the second floor of the compound. They punched another hole. And then on this day at 10 a.m., a man is seen waving a white flag on the southeast side of the compound. And he's advised over loudspeakers that if he's surrendering, he should come out. And he doesn't come out. But at the same time, a man comes out from the remains of the front door to retrieve a phone and a phone line and this man is still waving the white flag a couple of hours later and he's still not coming out and then all of a sudden there's a fire so just after noon there was this fire that broke out and these flames just spread so quickly throughout the buildings there so there were multiple multiple buildings And as a result, 76 Branch Davidians died and nine survived that fire. And they're not saying if it's just, you know, adults that survived or how many children. They're not giving any of that. So the observation and they believe that the Branch Davidians set these fires and intended to die rather than be arrested and jailed. All I know is that it was really surreal. This was not something we thought we would be seeing in the 90s. I think we thought we were way more progressive than this. So there was this very barbaric way of dealing with people. Now, also in 1993 in August... 
NASA lost contact with the first Mars Observer spacecraft, bringing a complete end to the mission. And the Mars Observer spacecraft was a robotic space probe that had launched during September of the previous year with the mission of studying the surface of Mars, the atmosphere, the climate, the magnetic fields surrounding it, and it was lost just before it was supposed to enter the orbit of Mars. So basically the entire mission failed. They were just unable to complete any of the things that it was supposed to do. It may have even crash landed. They never knew. But that cost $980 million. And those are the three biggest things that happened in 1993. Let's just get to the cost of living. Oh my God. So the yearly inflation rate in the United States of America was 2.96%. The year-end closed on the Dow Jones Industrial Average at 36.54. The interest rates of the year-end Federal Reserve were 6%. Average cost of a new house, $113,200. Average income per year, $31,230. Average monthly rent, $532. This was not in New York City. I can tell you that or anywhere in the surrounding areas that I knew. Not in the 90s. Cost of a gallon of gas, $1.16. A movie ticket was $4.14. The average cost of a new car was $12,750. And a loaf of bread cost $1.57. In 1993, tuition to Harvard University, please brace yourselves, $23,514. Now, I'm just going to add in a little bit of the UK prices. So, in pounds, the average house price was 67,856 pounds and a gallon of petrol was 2.33. The yearly inflation in the UK was 1.6% and interest rates at the year-end Bank of England were 5.38%. This is amazing that this was just 30 years ago. But I do remember that rents in the city were probably more 8 to 900 dollars a month and maybe seven to eight hundred dollars a month in certain parts of the Bronx and Westchester but as you got closer to the better areas it was probably closer to a thousand dollars at least that's what I remember in it was the later 90s so that that could have been on point but New York City was always more expensive and two of the most popular toys in 93 were the Jurassic Park Command Compound. So this was a detailed playset. It had over 100 electronic phrase and sound effects, and the pieces included a net catapult, missile launcher, electronic probe, and much more. Figures and dinosaurs were all sold separately, so you had to like put everything together, and the price of this was $69.80. 
And the second most popular toy at the time was Western Barbie and Western Star Horse by Mattel. So it had rolling stampers attached to Barbie's cowboy boots and an ink pad and glitter to create designs. And the Western Star Horse is a Palomino horse with magic stamping hooves that leave a trail of horseshoes and stars wherever she goes. She has a shimmering mane and tail that you can comb and decorate riding pants for Barbie, ink pad and hoof covers and the price was 15.50 for the Barbie and 25.59 for the horse. And by that point I was out of the Barbie dolls, but I think my sister was probably a little bit younger and she had something like that and we grew up going to a dude ranch, so for us anything western was amazing. So Canada got its first female prime minister, Kim Campbell, and she was sworn in on June 25th, but she left office on November 4th, 1993, so she did not last too long. She was popular, but she said that her own frankness about the economy worked against her, so she was not the leader anymore. Now... South African leader Nelson Mandela gets a Nobel Prize along with F.W. de Klerk. So this was in October of 1993 and the two leaders were recognized for their successful efforts to end apartheid in South Africa and usher in a new era of fully representative democracy in the country. F.W. de Klerk was president of South Africa from 1989 to 1994 and oversaw the dismantling of apartheid. Nelson Mandela was the president of South Africa from 1994 to 1999, the leader of the African National Congress Party and an advocate for racial equality and reconciliation in the nation. Then the United States had the space shuttle Endeavor to fly out and repair the Hubble Space Telescope. So Bill Clinton was sworn in as president of the United States. The World Trade Center was bombed for the first time. There was a bombing in India. There was a very severe blizzard on the U.S. East Coast. I remember this blizzard. It was probably one of the worst in that decade. And there was another really bad one. There was an earthquake in India that killed nearly 10,000 people and an earthquake in Japan that was a magnitude of 7.8. And it launched a devastating tsunami, killing 202 on the small island of Okashuri, Hokkaido. So there was so much that happened in this year. Buckingham Palace finally opened its doors to the public. And NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, was signed into law under Bill Clinton. I remember this. That year, also, Harley-Davidson turned 90 years old. Beanie Babies were launched in the United States, so if you guys have any Beanie Babies with the tag still on, they might be worth something. There were these terrible Australian brush fires, and it destroyed the world's second largest national park. And Slovakia 
gained independence when Czechoslovakia divided into Czech Republic and Slovakia. And of course, who can forget when two former police officers were convicted of violating the civil rights by beating the motorist Rodney King, which was caught on camera earlier before, and it just started the L.A. riots, and it was wild. In the 90s, was such a mix of amazing and terrifying. And 1993 was a big, big part of that. So many things happened in the 90s. In the world of technology, in 1993, the Pentium microprocessor was introduced by Intel. Windows NT 3.1 was released by Microsoft and the World Wide Web was born at CERN. Wow. The World Health Organization estimates 14 million people worldwide would have been infected with the AIDS virus. And the first cloning of a human embryo was successful. And this was done by two American scientists. Also in 1993, the police began their investigations into the allegations made by the children against Michael Jackson. Some of the most popular films in 1993 were Jurassic Park, just like the toy, Mrs. Doubtfire, The Fugitive, The Firm, Sleepless in Seattle, Indecent Proposal, In the Line of Fire, The Pelican Brief, Schindler's List, Cliffhanger, Philadelphia, and Robin Hood Men in Tights. And I believe that that was the year, or at least the following year, Tom Hanks won the Oscar for Philadelphia. And I remember the song by Bruce Springsteen. So I think I've seen every single one of those movies because back in the 90s, the movies was a huge pastime for all of us. So here's a bunch of popular musicians and music so Janet Jackson, uh, that's the way love goes. Snoop Dogg was huge. Garth Brooks, he was coming onto the scene. Rage Against the Machine, can't, can't tell me anything wrong with Rage Against the Machine. Phil Collins was still rocking out in the early 90s. We had a lot of UB40, Radiohead, Aerosmith made a huge comeback. Madonna reinvented herself again. Rod Stewart came out with Have I Told You Lately? Mariah Carey came out with Dream Lover. Nirvana was born and so popular. Meatloaf had come out with some new stuff. We got the Proclaimers with 500 Miles. You cannot tell me you are not singing that song right now. That I just said it. R.E.M. had given us some really good stuff. Losing My Religion. I mean, you remember that from 90210. Brenda Walsh used to play that all the time with Dylan McKay. Garth Brooks was huge. And of course, Alice in Chains. Tell me you're now not singing The Rooster. And I'm going to leave you guys with the top 25 songs of 1993. Number one, I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Number two, Whoop, There It Is Tag Team, which made a great comeback. 
at the Super Bowl with Scoop. There it is. They got to bring back that commercial. UB40 can't help falling in love. Janet Jackson, that's the way love goes. Freak Me by Silk. Weak by SWV. If I Ever Fall in Love by Shy. Dream Lover by Mariah Carey. <laughs> Rump Shaker. Rex in Effect. All I want to do is zoom, 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 and a boom, boom. Just shake your rump. I love that song. Informer by Snow. If you guys don't know these, you got to be looking them up. Nothing But a G Thing by Dr. Dre. In the Still of the Night by Boys to Men. Don't Walk Away by Jade. Knocking the Boots by Hightown. Lately by Joe Desi. I love that song. Daisy Dukes by Deutz, 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 it's supposed to be Juice or Deutz, I don't even know how to pronounce that now. Show Me Love by Robin S. I used to love to dance to that song. A Whole New World by Peebo Bryson and Regina Bell. And even though I graduated in 94, that was my prom song, A Whole New World. If by Janet Jackson, good song. God, Janet was huge, huge in the 90s. Loved her stuff. I'm so into you. SWV. Love is Vanessa Williams and Brian McKnight. Runaway Train by Soul Asylum. I'll Never Get Over You Getting Over Me by Expose. Diddy by Paperboy. And Rhythm is a Dancer by Snap. There are 75 more. But if you want to look that up, you could just check out Billboard 1993 songs. I love these songs. I used to go dancing to all of these songs. And that was the mood of like the early 90s. It was a ton of dance music, lots of R&B, lots of hip hop, lots of club and freestyle music. That usually never made it into the billboard. That was more like 105.3. So if anybody knows 105.3 back in the 80s and 90s, it was like total Guido music. Couldn't live without it. Listen to it all the time. All the freestyle, TKA, Suave, all of it. So 1993 was quite the pivotal year in the decade of the 90s. It gave us a lot of change. It gave us a lot of heartache that we didn't realize. You know, we were sort of past the the Cold War thoughts of the 80s and we felt a lot safer going into the 90s and then, you know, 1993 hit and there we were and we were already in, I believe, the Iraq War by then. So, there was a lot, a lot of strife going on. And for me, these were pivotal teen years where, you know, I guess we didn't want to be thinking about these things. So we weren't paying attention as much. We were focusing more on music and movies and doing teenage things and sort of letting the adults deal with the the big stuff like, you know, we do now with the kids in our lives, our kids. So there's... The more things change, the more they stay the same. But that's a quick history of 1993. Stay tuned for part two and three tomorrow, which will be 1983 and 1973. 
because I do love my history and I am a nerd and I have to bring you guys as much of it as I can. So with that, I say thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Messy Closet and don't forget to keep art and keep love alive. <laughs>